up, everybody? Everybody doing all right today? All right. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, you probably didn't notice I was gone last week, but uh, I know Pastor Bobby did an awesome job. Uh, Cody and I got a last-second opportunity to get away for a few days, so we got some vacation. And it was vacation because there's a difference between vacation and a trip. Because a trip is with your kids. And when you're on a trip with your kids, sometimes you wish you were tripping. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we actually got, like, vacation, like me and my wife. So get you some of that. Uh, it was a good time. And uh, it was kind of cool. Uh, when we got there, they, they gave us an upgrade, free upgrade on our, our rental car. So I got to drive around one of those Dodge Challengers uh, RTs for the week. Yeah, it was awesome. And then I came back to my Corolla. But, but here's the thing, on that, on that car, it's got this timer where you can, you can see how fast you're getting from zero to 60. Well, there's like one highway where you can drive 60 miles an hour down there, but I was on it, like a lot. And I don't know why, I mean, they can't put that on there and expect that somebody's not going to try to, you know, so I just did it over and over and over and over again. Then I got back and I got to use an hourglass to Measure how much time it takes me to get from zero. Like down a hill, wind behind me, car empty, I might get up to 60. But uh, anyway, it's a good time. Hey, if you're new, if this is your first Sunday, so glad that you're here. We are in a year-long series. You're the Bible. We are reading through the one-year Bible uh, on an app where we've got cards around, kind of letting everybody track where we're reading. And uh, it's been cool. Uh, we just made a big transition in our Old Testament reading. Praise God, we're out of the rules. We're into Joshua, so we're going to get some really cool stories, start talking about the big hitters, the heroes of the faith, the Old Testament, these men and women, incredible leaders and kings and all this stuff. And I, I want to focus in on Joshua uh, today. That's who we're going to focus in on, this incredible man of God. We're going to pick it up in Joshua chapter 3. Let me give you some context The Israelites are finally coming out of their wandering in the desert for 40 years. Finally coming out of that. And they're right on the edge, literally on the edge of getting ready to enter into the promised land. But they're at the edge of the Jordan River. And Joshua is the leader now. Moses has died. God buried Moses, which, man, how incredible of a funeral that must have been. God burying you, but... uh, But he's stepped into Moses' shoes, and he's leading 2 million people. There's 2 million people there with him. I don't know if you've ever led a lot of people, but you've never led that many. And he's got this intimidating thing that's standing in front of him, the Jordan River. It's flooded. It's a rushing river at this point in the year. And he is being asked by God to lead God's people into the promised land. So let's pick it up, chapter 3, verse 1. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia, the Acacia Grove, and arrived in the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers were, went throughout the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest, okay, those are the people that are always going before the people. They lead in worship, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord our, your God. Move out from your position. In other words, you're going to be going in a new direction from where you're at and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, and that's kind of the, the, the title for today's sermon, you've never gone this way before. Since you've never gone this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Okay, now here's the cool thing when you're reading through the Old Testament and New Testament and how they correlate together. In the Old Testament, you couldn't get too close to the presence of God because his glory would kill you. 
But as we read about Jesus, we know that when he died on the cross, it tore the veil from top to bottom, giving us full access to the presence of God to where we don't have to be far from his presence ever again in our lives. We can be as close to the presence of God as we want to be because he wants to be close to us. But in this case, they had to stay a little bit further off to follow the Lord's presence. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Everybody say, that's for me. Verse six, in the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. So they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just or the same as when I was with Moses. You've never been this way before. I don't know if you've been in a season, maybe you are in a season where you feel like maybe God is stirring inside of you to step into something new and something different, maybe stepping into something completely unknown. Well, that can be an incredibly intimidating place to be. I don't know if any of you have ever been uh, cliff jumping before, like into water, not just off the cliff on the ground, but into water. Anybody ever been cliff jumping before? Okay, four of you, so this is really going to relate to a lot of people. This is good. It's a great analogy. Well, if you've ever, if you've ever been cliff jumping, you, there's a few dynamics that are always going to exist anytime you go and you watch this, right? Uh, you're going to have people climbing up this cliff, and, and here's the thing. Anytime that you're, you're looking at the cliff from the ground, your perspective is, oh, that's not that high. But as soon as you climb up there, it freaks you out. And if you've ever been around it, there's always the people that are down on the ground, you can do it, you got it, one, two, three, jump, and then they don't. One, two, three, jump. They won't jump. You just keep trying to coach them, trying to get them to jump. And eventually, maybe they'll jump, right? Or maybe they won't. And I've seen grown men in tears climb down off of these cliffs before. And I've seen little girls climb to the highest point and jump off with no fear whatsoever. What I have noticed is this, is the longer that you stand on the edge of that cliff and think about what you're doing, the more likely you're not going to do it. Because you're existing in a place of fear on the edge of that cliff. And fear is okay. Because courage doesn't exist without fear. But at one point or another, you can't stay in the fear or the fear will convince you to climb down. To get away from it. So the question I have for you is, what cliff are you standing on the edge of? What's the unknown that God is asking you to step into in your life? Well, let me survey you. How many of you would say that you are willing to do, right now, you're in a place in your life where you are willing to do what God asks you to do, okay? That, that's a real question. You can raise your hand or not raise your hand, but, but I want to finish the rest of the question, okay? How many of you are willing to do whatever God is asking you to do, even if it is into the unknown and something that you've never done before? See, because a lot of us, most of us, we are creatures of habit. We like our routine. We like things to be predictable. Uh, probably hasn't been recent that you went out with maybe a, a spouse or a friend. Like, hey, let's go to a brand new restaurant that we've never been before. And when we get there, we're going to order something we've never ordered before. Okay, some of you, you're like that. And I like that personality. But most of us are like, no, no, I'm going to go where I know what I can get. And I'm going to know that it's good. Because I like routine. Uh, most of you, you've never taken a different route to go to work in the morning. Some of you, you get to work, you don't even remember how you got there, and we're really concerned about you. 
But this exists in so many areas of your life, even in church. Because in church, everybody's got their seat. One of my favorite things to do is watch how awkward people get. And they walk in the church, hey, good morning, hey, good to see you, how you doing? Do you see this? They're in my seats. I can't even worship God now. So you go over and sit in this stupid seat, I guess. Praise you, Jesus. God, I just pray that you move in their life. Preferably move them out of my seat next week. We have never had assigned seating in this church, people. But we like routine. We like going back to, and here's the thing. Some, in some cases, that's okay. But if it pours over into every area of your life, to the point where you're not willing to do something new that God is asking you to do, then it's not good. Because it's keeping you from what he has for you. A lot of times we get in a rut. We get in a rut. Routine. The same old, same old that causes that rut. And sometimes it's really difficult to get out of it. Because sometimes we don't even realize we're in it. Look, Joshua had been in a rut. Like a 40-year rut. Because the nation of Israel had been doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Like the same food, the same process, the same everything for 40 years. He had been in a rut. And now he's standing at the edge of this opportunity God is saying, you've never been this way before. Look, he, it's, it's Joshua's natural tendency to fight, but he has no idea the fight that, that lays before him. Because the obstacle of the Jordan River is just the beginning, because after that, he's got a whole lot more to do. The question is, as you're standing at the edge, what are you holding on to for your security that is behind you, that is keeping you, from stepping into the unknown that God has for you. How do you make that step? First of all, you got to believe that God is setting you apart. God is setting you apart. In other words, he has picked you, not just everybody else, but he has picked you to do something. Joshua 3, 5. Then Joshua told the people, purify or set yourself apart. Purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among You, everybody say, that's me. A lot of times I think the reason why we don't step into the unknown is because we think the big things of God are for certain people. Like the big things of God are just for pastors or the big things of God are just for the super spiritual people or the big things of God are for, for everybody else, but not really me, not really just ordinary me. And so we don't realize that God is saying, no, I have set you apart. I am calling you to do something great. And God has incredible things for you in your future. But you have to also understand that you have allowed yourself to grab a hold of things in your life that are behind you, that are going to ultimately keep you from his purpose and from his promise. And sometimes those are things like sin. Sometimes those are your thoughts. Those are the words you say, the things that you look at, the lifestyle that you won't get out of. There are things that you have allowed yourself to attach yourself to. Until you let go of those things, you cannot move forward into the unknown that God has for you. And sometimes it's a, a hurt or an insecurity or condemnation. It's a lot of different things. But until you come to God and you say, God, 
I'm, I'm just going to let go of those things. I'm going to let go of them. And I'm just going to make a step towards you. Until that happens, you will miss the promises that God has for you. It says in Joshua chapter 7, see the Israelites, they're constantly going through this cycle where they would get really close to God, but then they would allow their flesh to attach itself to the things around them in the world and the things that the Lord had told them, look, stay away from those things. They kept going back to it. And this happened in chapter 7. I'll go to verse 1 and then verse 13. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. In other words, God kept telling them, stay away from these things. And they kept going back to it. Verse 13. Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. See, they had gone into the city and God said, destroy everything, don't keep anything, destroy everything. And they thought that they could just take a few things and keep them for themselves. And God said, no, I don't want any of those things. I want, I want to be your dependency. I want you to trust me for everything. But they kept those things. What is the secret thing in your life that you're holding on to? And I believe the Holy Spirit's probably already trying to deal with you about it, but it's just whether or not you're going to be obedient, detach yourself from those things, and take that step towards God. Because God promises that if we'll make the step, that he's going to meet us. In James 4, 8, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Whew, that's a strong verse. I think a lot of times we... We just get comfortable. And we make excuses too. I know I've done this before. I make excuses about why it's not a good time for me to take that step into the unknown. A lot of times we get in this place where we have a when and then mentality. Like when I get out of debt, then I'll start giving. Or when my kids get older, then I'll really start serving God. Or when my marriage gets perfect, then maybe I can start helping other people. Or when I get my act together, then I'll finally get committed to the church. The problem with that is that one of these days become none of these days. At one point or another, you have to stop making excuses, realize that the time is now. God is saying now. Today is the day, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I sense that God is nudging some of you to the edge to get ready to step into the unknown, but you've got to let go of what you're grabbing a hold of that is behind you before you can even begin to look into what he has in front of you. And here's the thing, God's not going to push you. Now, I will admit, there's been a few times I've been up on one of those cliffs and somebody else is in front of me. And they've been there a long time. And people keep encouraging them. And people keep counting to three. And they still ain't jumping. I just assist them. <laughs> I assist them into their adventure. But God won't do that. God's, won't, God's not going to push you. And he's also not going to condemn you. He's not going to stand there and say how ashamed he is of you and make you feel stupid that you didn't step in, that you didn't have the faith, that you were fearful, whatever. God's just not going to operate like that, but he is going to encourage you. 
When God encourages, though, he's always going to speak about the potential of your future. He's not going to be talking about the mistakes of your past. He's always going to be talking about his promises. He's always going to be talking about who he created you to be that maybe you haven't even seen yet. That's how God's going to encourage you. Jeremiah 29, 13. This is in the message translation. I love this. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, then I'm going to make sure that you're not, you won't be disappointed. Boom. I love that. If you will step out, if you'll trust me, and if you'll do it, if you want me more than anything, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Number two, you got to get your feet wet. Get your feet wet. I'll explain what I mean by that. If you go back to the text, they're standing at the, the edge of the, the Jordan River. Like I said, Bible philosophers believe this is in the, the season where it's flooding. So usually the Jordan River is really not that big of a, a river. But during the flood season, it's a huge river, rushing river. Okay, here's the thing. If you're standing at the edge of a, reg, a raging river and you're looking at the river as a whole, it can be incredibly intimidating if you know you got to get over that, right? But you know what's not intimidating? Just taking off your shoes and your socks, rolling your pants up a little bit and taking a couple steps in. That's not intimidating. But those steps are important because those are steps of faith. Until you're ready to take the steps of faith into it, then God can't do what he wants to do with the rest of your problem, with the rest of your obstacle. He just needs to see that you're going to be obedient. And this is what God tells Joshua to do. Joshua 3.8, give the command to the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Just take a few steps in a new direction that God has for you. Get your feet wet. Get your feet wet. Just take a few steps. Some of you, you're standing right on the edge but there's two things that exist on the edge, either fear or faith. The fear can be there because faith exists around fear. But at one point or another, if you don't choose faith, you'll shrink back. You'll climb back down. You've got to choose faith in that moment. Some of you, you're here today and you need to take that first step. And I don't know exactly what that first step is for you. Some of you, it's water baptism. Some of you, it's going through a connect class. Some of you, it's beginning to serve. Some of you, it may have to do with your worship because because you weren't raised in a church where you could really express your thankfulness to God and worship. So so any amount of clapping your hands or raising your hands or any of that, it's kind of foreign to you. Even though when you get into the presence of God, like we got to experience today, you know that there's something that is happening inside of you and you don't really know what it is. You can't explain it. But maybe you've never gotten to a place where you're just like, you know what? I just want to raise my hands as a sign of surrender, my heavenly father. I want to lift my hands up and reach towards my heavenly father. But maybe you've never been able to do that. I don't know what your first step is, but I know that you've got to get your feet wet. You've got to get your feet wet if you want to experience what God has for you. And here's the thing. You can know this for sure. God is not asking you to do something that has never been done in the history of mankind. That's not what he's asking you to do. He's just asking you to do something that you have never done before. I think so often we compare ourselves to other people and what they do and what they did. God didn't ask you to be like anyone else. He asked you to be the best you. When you stand before God the Father, you're not going to be held accountable to someone else's standard. You're going to be held accountable to who God called you to be. So whatever he's asking you to do that you've never done, that's what you've got to do. And here's the thing. It doesn't mean 
that's any less intimidating. Even if other people have done it before, it's still scary. It's still intimidating. No one ever got ready to climb Mount Everest and thought, well, 4,000 people have already climbed Mount Everest. Not a big deal. I got this. We're having kids. I remember the first time Cody and I had our first kid in London, and we were getting in the car and driving to the hospital. I got to find out just how fast my Hyundai couldn't go. And I'll tell you what I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking, ah, billions of people have had babies before. This isn't a big deal. And I sure didn't say that to Cody because I like my face not to bleed. (laughs) It was a big deal for us. It was a big deal in that moment. And you need to know that when, when you're in that moment, God is not like, come on. Thousands. Millions of people have done this before. So-and-so over there, they've been doing it for a long time. Why haven't you done it? God's not like that. Because you don't do that with your kids. When your kids do something for the first time, you don't act like that. Remember the first time your child took a step? You're like, about time. (laughs) Yeah, lazy little cuss. Come on now. What are you, like five months old? Get a move on. No. Or the first time your kid ride, rode a bike, you're like, well, good. I started riding my bike way younger than you did. And when your kid takes her, oh, it walks. <laughs> Look what we made. <laughs> this is incredible. And guess what? That's how your heavenly father is for you. When you just step into what you have never done, that is unknown, that he's asked you to do. Number three, you got to follow the box. Another way to say is don't do anything without the presence of God. Follow the box. I'll explain what I mean. Joshua 3, verse 3, and we'll go on to verse 9. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Verse 9, so Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you, and he will surely drive out all the ites. And I'm just going to leave it right there. <laughs> Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Have any of you ever tried to do something without God? How'd that work out for you? Maybe you're in a season right now where you're trying to do things without God. I'm just guessing that even if it might be going good now, it won't be going good for long. Everybody ever try to make a big purchase without asking God about it first? Come on now. I have. That's a tough lesson to learn. Woo. Man, doing things without God. And what Joshua did is he just went and he got with God and he said, God, whatever you ask us to do, that's what I want to do. Wherever you lead us, that's where I want to go. Well, the presence of God was represented by the Ark of the Covenant, this box made out of acacia wood. And so wherever that box went was was where the presence of God was, and that's what they wanted to follow. But what is so cool is what was in this box. Do you know what was in the box? Well, unlike Raiders of the Lost Ark, there weren't spooky ghosts and lightning bolts that fire eyeballs out, okay? But in this box, I love what this represents supernaturally preserved manna, this bread that was never going bad. 
what that represented is how God provides your needs. God provides what you need. Look, if you want something to go before you, you want God's provision. You don't, want, you don't want it to be about what you can provide for yourself. You want it to be about what God provides for you. Aaron's rod was in there. Remember, we read it. Aaron's rod at one point, this, this, this stick, this rod, it sprouted leaves and grew ripe almonds. And what that represented is that even when there is death, God will bring life. Look, you want that to go before you because there are days when you walk into death because there's death in a marriage, there's death in a relationship, there's death at your workplace, there are things that are dead and you need to have a God that goes before you that even when something looks dead, he can bring it to life and produce fruit through it. That's what you want to go before you. The other thing that was in there were these two tablets, the 10 commandments written, the word of God. When you are walking into the unknown and you're stepping in to what God has called you to do, you don't need to be depending on your own understanding of reality and truth. You need to depend on the ultimate truth and the ultimate reality that is eternal, that is firmly established through the word of God. You want the word of God to precede you in everything that you do and everywhere that you go, especially when you're stepping into the unknown. And Joshua said, that's what I want. I want the presence of God because the presence of God is my comfort. The presence of God is my security. Look, you are never gonna find comfort and security in anything else or anyone else but God. You may get it for a little bit, but it won't last. At the end of the day, the only thing that gives you true comfort and security is the presence of God. And Joshua just said, look, this is, this is what we're gonna allow to lead us. This is what we're gonna allow to lead us into the unknown. How are you gonna face the unknown? Are you gonna try it on your own or are you gonna do it God's way? Number four, you gotta take time to remember and celebrate what God has done. Take time to remember and celebrate what God has done. Joshua chapter four. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Okay, what happened was that all the 12 tribes, they came together, they each brought a stone, each tribe, and they built this mound of rocks. A lot of times throughout history, especially in Bible times, anytime something significant would happen in a place, they would build an altar. It was a pile of rocks or something like that that would be a reminder of what happened in that place. And then they would pass the story from generation to generation about what God or what had happened in that place. So he's saying, look, from generation to generation, they're going to look back, see these rocks, and remember what God did. Then you, will, then you can tell them this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before their eyes and kept it dry until they are all across, all two million of them. Just as he did the Red Sea when he dried it up until they had all crossed over. He did this so all nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. And so we might fear the Lord, your God, forever. When you step into the unknown, you need to understand that it's not just about you. This last summer, I got a chance to go float the buffalo with our student ministry, with real life, and we got to this place where there were some people jumping off this cliff into the river. And, uh, and so a lot of students were going over there and doing it. And it was cool because some people were overcoming their fear and jumping off these spots. We were coaching them and doing the whole counting thing and all that. And, 
And, uh, but here's the thing, like I'm not as spry as I used to be. And I used to like look for an opportunity to jump off cliffs. Uh, but, you know, I got a lot of responsibility now. So I try not to put myself in dangerous, deadly situations. And so I was just cool just watching them do it. But I was, I was there with my oldest, London. And London looks at me and she's like, Dad. Oh, what, what are you going to do? Well, here's the deal. I didn't care what anybody else said, you know. I mean, they, no, nah, Dave, you're afraid to jump. I'd be like, y'all stupid. I don't even care. But when your kid calls you out, <laughs> especially your girl, you do it. So I swam across and started climbing up, and I got up to this one point. I'm like, all right, London, here I go. She's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. So I climbed up even higher. It had been a while. <laughs> okay. <laughs> London. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this. It may be the last time. <laughs> and I jump. Sometimes you don't jump just for you, you jump for the people you're influencing. You're raising a generation. Your children are watching you. Your lowest standard will be the highest standard of the people you lead and influence, especially your kids. And at one point or another, your kids are going to be adults. And whether they had the conversation or they just know it and think about it subconsciously, they're going to be thinking this. Yeah, but this is how my parents worshiped. This is how my parents gave. This is how my parents served. This is how my parents loved. This is how my parents trusted. This is the faith that my parents had. The question is, what was that? Because if you come to the edge of the unknown and, and you exist in that place of fear and don't step out in faith and you shrink back and you climb back down, you have to understand that your kids are going to watch that happen in your life. And you just showed them how big or how small your God is. The only way you get legacy is to risk and sacrifice and faith and trust in God. You can't establish legacy any other way. God wants to do great things, not just for you, but for generations to come. But you have to take time and remember what God has done. A lot of times I think we get off track because we forget what he's already done and that's why we just stay on the ledge. Because if we just remember, oh, remember what God already done, remember what he brought you through already, remember the miracle he already did, remember how he already provided, remember how he saved you, how he healed you, how, remember that? Because here's the thing, I know once you jump off the cliff once, like even those people are like freaking out, once they jump once, they get down like, oh, that's not a big deal. I'll do it again and again and again and again. I don't even care because they remember they remember. I think God just, he just wants us to remember. For me in my life, it's remembering when God healed my wife, Cody, of skin cancer. When we were struggling financially, we didn't know how we were going to make it, and he, God provided. He helped us. He took care of us. I don't know what it is that you need to remember. But, you, but I promise you, if you will, 
If you'll remember, it'll help you get off that ledge. And I think also it's important to, to praise God for what he hasn't even done yet. Thank God for what he hasn't even done yet. Here's the deal. In the world, this doesn't make any sense. You don't walk into a car dealership and be like, hey, I just want to thank you for the thousands of dollars of discounts you're going to give me today. This is going to be great. You don't walk into your first day of class and be like, man, thank you for the A. That's awesome. Really appreciate giving. In the world, it makes makes no sense. But in the kingdom, it makes perfect sense. Because in the kingdom, as Christ follows, as people that have committed their life to God and made Jesus their Lord and their Savior, you see, when you step into that, then you step into inherent promises from God that he gives to every one of his kids. And so you can thank him for what he's going to do before he's even done it. And I believe that when you can thank him for that, it's going to give you the boldness to step into what you're thanking him for. I love the picture because remember who carried the ark into the river to start with, right? It was the Levites. Guess what the Levites did? They led worship. In order for you to step into the unknown, I believe it's going to start with your praise and your worship for what God is going to do, even when he hasn't done it. It's thanking him for the miracle before he's even given you the miracle. That's what it might take for you to step into the unknown. The question is, is can you do it? Will you step into the unknown? I think it is time to take the next step. You know, uh, we got our new building coming up. Excited about it. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to drive by yet or not. But I believe this is a timely word because... I do believe that God is bringing us into something new and relatively unknown. I'm excited about the building, not because of the building, but because of the souls that we're gonna be able to reach through that building. The families that are gonna be restored, the people that are gonna be healed and set free, and man, it's gonna be cool. But here's the thing. I believe that every person that calls this church their home, God has called every single one of us to step up to the edge and jump off into the unknown. And I believe that God wants to use every person. Every person. And I think if we'll all be faithful in whatever that means for us individually, there's no telling what can happen. But we have to be obedient. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. First thing I want to do is to make sure that we've all had an opportunity to have a relationship with God. You know, there's, there's a big difference between knowing about God. There's a big difference even between knowing the Bible and knowing church and knowing that it's, it's, there's a big difference between knowing about God and having a relationship with God. And the Bible says that the only way that you have a relationship with God is you come to this place where you understand that in and of yourself, you are broken. You're a sinner. You can't save yourself. You needed a savior. And it's coming to a place where you confess that. And then you ask Jesus to have complete control. You make him your Lord. And when you make him your Lord, then he also comes and saves you from your sin, forgives you. And it's you realizing that he rose from the grave and was given a new life and that in that you're given a new life. If you're here today and you need to have a relationship with God through his son Jesus. Maybe you've never made that decision. I want to give you a chance to do that or, or, or maybe you did but you just got off track and we get off track a lot of different ways. We get off track because 
of sin. We get off track because we just get busy. We get distracted. We just, we lose focus. Maybe you need to rededicate your life and come back to him this morning. Either way, right now, I'm I'm not gonna embarrass you, but but I think it's important that, that maybe your next step, your next step, it's just a, a small symbol of, of faith. Of saying, that's me. I need to have that. I'm away from God and I need him. If that's you, nobody looking around, but just as a sign of faith, that step, just step that hand up right now all over this room and I want to pray for you. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. God, and God, and God, and God, and God. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. Thanks. Anybody else? Yeah. Got you guys over here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being bold. God will honor you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, we're gonna, it's the last service. I want to just be patient. If there's anyone else, you're just resisting this. You might be fighting this a little bit in your heart. I just want to encourage you. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Anybody else? Okay. For every person that just raised your hand, I don't know what your concept of prayer is, but I want you to know it's really not that complicated. It's really just you having honest conversation with God. And so I'd encourage you to do that. You would, you would have an honest conversation with him like you would with, with a friend. So he deserves respect and reverence and all that, but he, he mostly just wants us to be sincere. So, so just sincerely come before him and just say something like this right there in your seat. Just say, God, here's my life. I know I've made a lot of mistakes. I know I've sinned. I know I can't save myself. So right now, I I believe in faith that, that Jesus, you died on the cross for my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I and I ask that you would come and, and you would be my Lord. I want you to have complete control. I, I want to do this on my own. I don't want to do it for myself. I want to live for you. And I thank you that you that you're saving me now. You're saving me from myself. You're saving me from my sin. Thank you. Help me to live for you for the rest of my life. Help me to understand more of your love every day. Help me to be set free from my own mind and my own thoughts and my own sin and my own actions and to be transformed. To be more like you. That's what I want. God, that's the prayer of all of our hearts. God, as we come to the edge of whatever it is that you're asking us to step into, that unknown, I pray that, that even when we're afraid and even when we're experiencing just the stress and the anxiety, that ultimately we trust in you. We come to you. We step into it. We thank you for that. And we want to do it because we want to be the people you've called us to be, but we also want to be about building your kingdom. There's nothing better. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give a God a hand. We had a bunch of people raising their hands. Get right with me. Awesome. Awesome.